Welcome to the Cannabis Supply Chain Podcast. My name is Patrick Aylward. We're hosted by Yacht Solutions, and we're here to engage with our community to understand multiple perspectives in order to make impactful changes through conversation. We appreciate you listening in and tuning. If you'd like to follow and subscribe the podcast, check out Yacht Solutions' webpage and whoever we're interviewing for today's episode. We would really appreciate that, and we thank you for joining us. Welcome to the Cannabis Supply Chain Podcast. My name is Patrick Aylward, and I'm very excited to host Christine DeZeus. Did I pronounce your last name correctly? De Jesus. Okay, I apologize. She is the Director of Cultivation for Galenus Cannabis here in Ohio. She's got a background from Pint Size Farm. She did a little bit of horticulture stuff for the Cleveland Institute of Cannabis um, and just has a really rad background. I did find out today that you have performing arts background, which I didn't expect. Um, is there anything else you'd like to talk about for viewers and listeners before we get in? No, I'm ready to go. Right on. So can you kind of like tell us about what it took you to get into the cannabis space? You know, was that a lot of that um, experience from the Pipe Science Farm transferred? Were you looking at cannabis while you were doing the Pipe Science Farm? Um, kind of give us a little bit of background, how you became a cannabis farmer and a farmer, period. Sure. So, yeah, I definitely, it was definitely a planned journey. Um, I ran Pine Size Farm for 13 years before I got into cannabis space. But while running the farm, I was definitely already positioning myself to get into cannabis. So I worked on some campaigns to legalize starting in 2013. I worked with the Ohio Rights Group, became the Cuyahoga County captain, which was the first real like signature gathering campaign that gained much traction to legalize medical in Ohio. And then <clears throat> after that, I, I responsible Ohio came around in 2015, which got wreck on the ballot. Um, that campaign didn't really involve many grassroots activists. So I didn't really participate in that. And then in 2016, end of 2015, beginning of 2016, I started working for a marijuana policy project. And when I worked for them, I became Northeast, I think my title was like Northeast Ohio Regional Volunteer Coordinator. <laughs> and at that point I started collecting signatures professionally. So I had a team of several hundred people and I would set up signature gathering locations all around Northeast Ohio. And we probably got the most signatures of any region in the state. So like in one weekend alone, we got almost 10,000 signatures, which was probably the most I'd ever done at any one event or a couple of events. And um, then that campaign transitioned into what is now House Bill 523. Um, you know, the government obviously got involved in, and started to write the language for HB 523. And then the campaign kind of weighed in and tried to lobby to get certain things like um, the, the pain qualifying condition was something that was lobbied by the marijuana policy project team to get that included as qualifying condition. So that was a success. And um, I had been growing obviously a polyculture farm. So I was growing hops, all the pumpkins for the pumpkin ale, about 30 different types of vegetables, herbs, culinary herbs, a little bit of medicinal stuff just on the side and um, kind of got my feet wet with growing every different type of crop. So that experience translated very well to cannabis. It's really not much different. Uh, the only big change for me moving from 
vegetable farming to cannabis was moving from the outdoors indoors. <laughs> so that was more of an adjustment for me was just learning how to farm indoors versus what I had done in the field. Um, and I was concerned that there were there wouldn't be that many things in common, but really having that scaled agriculture background helped me to transition into cannabis pretty smoothly because a lot of the same principles apply, you know, doing anything at scale. Mm -hmm. So I know a lot of growers come into the commercial space with a home growing cannabis background. And I think that's definitely valuable too, but I was glad that I had the commercial scale farming background because some people that do come from a home grow situation have a hard time transitioning into scaled out agriculture. So for me, it worked out pretty well. I was able to transition to that. And I found that cannabis wasn't a whole lot different. I had a little bit of cannabis cultivation experience in the past, but um, nothing at scale, obviously, and nothing commercial. So the organic farming at scale was really helpful when I moved into the industry. I really uh, enjoy that. That was a lot of information. And then at the same time, too, um, like a lot of dense education over a short period of time. Uh, not too many people kind of identify like, hey, this is what I want to do. This is how I'm going to go about doing it. And then are able to um, pick up that much in that short of a time span. So that's really kudos to you. Uh, awesome. And, and man, that must have taken a lot of motivation. Um, can you kind of like speak on your perspective as director of cultivation, somebody who just really cares about growing things, period, and lobbying, because that's not something that I feel like I hear a lot. You know, I know that we all care about legalization. We all care what it takes. We all care that, you know, we get home grow or the conversation we were having before we recorded about um, being allowed to grow outdoors. Um, yeah. You know, like, what do you think? What do you have to say to everybody about that? Yeah. So I was a pretty um, heavily involved activist for years. And it was a great experience because I, I kind of had some political leanings in my college experience and had, you know, contemplated being more involved politically, whether it was like running for a local office or participating in some other way in, in, in changing things for the better. I was a pretty progressive person in general. And I worked on several other campaigns to um, help like different candidates become governor or other positions in Ohio. I worked on like Dennis Kucinich's governor's campaign and helped write his drug policy, which was an interesting experience because he was like pro, very pro legalization of all drugs. And so that was an interesting experience. And I worked a little bit on Sherrod Brown's campaign, a couple other campaigns in the past 15 or so years. And I really enjoyed that grassroots political activism of just trying to make a change and get someone elected or pass an amendment that could make a big impact on my state. I'm born and raised in Ohio, been here my whole life. So there's a lot of things that I've felt motivated to try and help change. And legalizing medical marijuana or recreational marijuana always was really important to me, not just because I was a grower and it just seemed silly that one plant was prohibited from being able to grow, but also just from like the social justice side of it all, seeing many people that I knew going to jail or getting felonies or having their life altered by a situation like that, 
just seemed so wrong to me that people's like professions were curtailed or that their um, options in life were so limited by growing a plant, <laughs> you know, especially for a medicinal reason. And so I just felt extremely motivated to do what I could to participate in the legalization process. And in doing so, I found a, really a new almost family of people that felt the same way. And there was a lot of other things that we had in common as well, like generally marijuana activists are very pro environment. And so I was kind of an environmental justice activist for a long time and felt that that was one in the same. And um, getting to be involved with the network that I was also put me in contact with a lot of patients. And as I started hearing the stories of different patients, particularly people that were like dealing with cancer or dealing with epilepsy or conditions that were dramatically affecting their lives and hearing their stories about how cannabis helped and how they felt prosecuted or punished because of their choice to use cannabis instead of a lot of other prescription drugs kicked me in high gear, I'd say, with the marijuana legalization part of it. And so I just went all in <laughs> at that point on marijuana legalization and pushed as hard as I could to get access for these patients that I was interacting with every day. And when you stand out there and you collect signatures and you have people coming up to you and telling you story after story after story about how it has helped them or how they have a friend or a family member that it has helped, you just see the injustice of them not having the ability to choose their medical freedom. And so it kind of became like a medical freedom thing for me as well. So it was interesting to be that heavily involved in it and then actually see it come to fruition with our medical program was really exciting. And it felt like a personal victory, even though it's not perfect. You know, the program still has issues and hopefully it's gonna be expanded soon. There's Senate Bill 9 right now which is um, moving through the Senate and hopefully it'll move through the House, which could expand it quite substantially. So I'm hoping to see that again happen. And then maybe we'll see um, adult use legalization this year or possibly next year as well. So it's an exciting time to be involved in activism. 20 years ago, when I first became interested in it, I never thought we'd be even where we are now in Ohio or mm -hmm. nationally. So it's just a, an interesting movement to be a part of and to see where it all goes. <laughs> it's exciting. Yeah, that's really cool. And I totally agree. The activism part of it is interesting. I think like you were saying, when you meet people, period, they all have different stories and where that motivation comes from is different for each person. I know for me, it came from uh, like a childhood of petty arrests, you know, where I just like okay. get a paraphernalia charge or something like that. And then right. one day it clicked and now here we are. Um, but I definitely recognize, especially a lot lately um, with our community talking more about uh, SB9, um, the fact that I just need to create more time so I can go and be involved at that, um, that state house level, you know, go in and speak and tell people what my perspective is, because I definitely hear a lot from our politicians in Ohio um, and some across the country that most of them just don't know a lot about cannabis, you know, and once they're educated or once they have someone kind of pull them aside, it, it, it's a bit of a no brainer or maybe they're uh, able to find different ways. Um, I think but so backtrack a little bit um in relation to uh, becoming a cannabis cultivator and all of those kind of things um 
you mentioned how you thought uh, like home growers sometimes have a different type of learning curve than maybe who someone came from a farm, um, maybe who came from someone who came from no experience at all um, versus even somebody who considers themselves able to grow cannabis because they consume a lot of cannabis. Um, what do you kind of have to say about that? Because you guys at Galenus are definitely one of the most sought after companies in our program, you know, being a bud tender in Southern Ohio. I get to a lot of patient transactions and interactions where I'm at and, you know, Galenus, uh, Woodward, OCL, not to say that no one, you know, everybody's doing great things, but you guys are definitely up there. So what do you have to say about all of that? I know you spoke on it a little bit, but I mean, you guys really have high terp numbers, you know, high THC numbers. You have cultivars that are chased almost as much as the name Galenus is chased. So, I mean, you guys are doing something, right? Thank you. I appreciate that. I think that what is different about Galenus compared to some of the other grows in Ohio are that we, well, I've been here since the beginning, essentially. So a lot of the other growers have kind of changed their system several times over. So whether it's like changing out the head grower or switching their cultivation system from one medium to a different medium or maybe going from all growing on the ground to then implementing vertical in year two or year three, they've been kind of chasing after something better. And we've been lucky here at Galenus that we've been essentially doing the same thing for four years. So instead of changing our system or changing our people dramatically around, we've just been focusing on improving the system that we already have in place. So we've been vertical since the beginning. We've been growing in soil since the beginning. And the soil that we're using is from a company called Rust Belt Riders and Tilth. And Tilth is a local company here in Cleveland, Ohio that started making potting soil right around when I started working at Galenus. But I had had a relationship with them for a long time prior because they were a compost collection service. So they had been collecting compost from Great Lakes Brewing Company and many other um, local businesses like the brewery district in Ohio, in Ohio City. And so I already had experience with their company and I knew what kind of company they were. They're an employee owned company. They're very, they're like a very conscious company. And I, at first we were using a different soil that was coming from the West Coast and it was fine. But after one run in that soil and seeing the footprint of shipping all that soil across, across the country, I knew that was not sustainable. And I actually reached out to Kevin Jodry, um, like famous Humboldt grower, Kevin Jodry of Wonderland Nurseries and everything he's been involved in. And I asked him if he could recommend a soil and he motivated me to just reach out to a local provider and R&D a soil that would work better for cannabis. So he said, you know, you're in Ohio, you have all this great agriculture there. I'm sure there's a soil maker there that could make something that you want. Just tell them what you want. And I hadn't really thought of it that way. I'd always thought that I needed to buy something, you know, that was designed for cannabis. And that, that was kind of the biggest transition I made from going from like regular traditional agriculture into cannabis was changing my own thought system back into what I already knew worked and not trying to feel that I had to use something, a product, an input that was designed for cannabis. Like as if cannabis is this mysterious 
and you know unicorn type of a plant that other things don't apply to. I mean, really now after the first six months and the first cycle or two of growing, I realized that it responded the way almost all other plants do. It has some different needs, just like different species of plants will, but it's basically the same nutrients, the same system, the same type of watering treatment um, care so I reached out to Tilth Soils. They had already had a potting soil that they were making. And I asked if they'd be interested in doing basically an R&D of that soil for cannabis. And so they were super excited and they've been very supportive through the whole process. And every cycle, we just fine tuned it a little bit. Now we kind of have something that works for us all the time and we don't really make too many changes, but we changed like the porosity of it. We changed the drainage a little bit. We um, added some different nutrients that after tissue testing the plants, it was showing that they were missing a little bit of this or that. And so with just like basically using a lot of testing and testing of the spent soil when you were done to see what was left, testing of the leaf tissue of the plants to see what was used and what wasn't used up and what was missing and where our deficiencies were or where our excesses were, we just kept refining that soil to meet what we felt were the needs of cannabis. So over that four year period, we were able to improve our turp numbers, our potency through multiple different improvements and practices, but primarily into dialing in that soil for our system, for our genetics. And so now, like when I first started here, our, our potency average was like around 18% the first run. And our TERP average was like barely over 1%. It was like 1.2%. Our last run and our consistently now, we're averaging between 28 and 29% potency. That's our average. And we're averaging over 3.5% TERPs. This last cycle that we just pulled down was averaging over four and a quarter percent terps. And we've even had some strains in this last run that we're pulling down that are over 5% total terps. So we've seen that go up with some different growing strategies and just using that consistently good medium. And we've been able to build year over year on our quality by just fine tuning things with the dry, fine tuning things with the cure, um, when we harvest, how we harvest, what temperature the rooms are, and preserving everything so that when it does get to the consumer, it's showcased exactly the way we want it to be. Um, hand trimming it. Our trimmers are all trained up really well now. And we have, we've had very little employee turnover, especially in the, in the past year or so. And so everyone's gotten better. And we've just been focusing on retaining those employees that we've trained up so well and that are doing such a good job versus, you know, turning people over and starting from scratch. So I'm glad that we're a small grow, honestly, because I think the larger grows have had a lot more pressure to mass produce. And whenever you mass produce, inevitably you have, you know, more employees, more employees turning over, a harder time training all of those employees. And you're pushed by the numbers that you're trying to meet all the time. So you can't spend that sort of individual attention on each and every plant. And luckily we can still do that here. Like I just came in this morning, for example, and my scout 
this morning told me there was two plants that looked a little yellow in one of the rooms, you know, so like we can go in. I, I found those two plants. They were a little bit too dry. They got underwatered on Friday and we can make adjustments so that each and every plant gets the best treatment that it can still. And I don't think that happens when you're running, you know, 5,000, 10,000 plants at a time. Definitely. There's so many things that I want to like address and digest from that last little uh, bit that you gave us. And it's really reflective of you guys as a team over at Galenus because when I interviewed Jeff, I think in November or October, mm -hmm. it's been quite a while. Um, just, I don't know, the way that you guys both speak about the team um, and the way that you want to cultivate the people around you and uplift them. Uh, it's just you know, very clear in the product and the way that you guys approach uh, presenting your company. Um, so it's it's really cool. And especially that, um, like the whole idea behind the Rust Belt Riders and the Tilth people, um, I didn't know that until I spoke with Jeff, but I had actually got to meet the group back in Detroit in July of last year, because they were obviously out selling soil up in Detroit. Um, and just to, like you said earlier, I think, I'm really grateful for a medical program. We have lots of places to go, but to be in the place that we're at in this moment in time and know that there are businesses in Ohio who are working with other businesses in Ohio to like create an ecosystem for cannabis here in our state is just so cool to me. Like it's so fulfilling. That's what I think that we need a lot across a lot of different places. So to see you guys doing it at Galenus is awesome. Um, and to switch up a little bit, but then keep in that same sense, uh, can you speak towards the end of our conversation? What does it take to keep those employees around? What does it take to cultivate those relationships and maybe kind of what you would need in the future or what you see in the future for, you know, being able to keep a company like Galenus afloat and being able to keep those awesome strains coming out and us as an industry? For sure. So it's definitely challenging everything's challenging in cannabis because things happen and change so fast. You know, it's so like we kind of have a joke among the activists that your years in cannabis are like dog years. Like for every year you live in cannabis, it's like seven. And it's because the political changes, the regulatory changes um, happen so quickly and control so much of how sustainable your business is or isn't. Also, of course, the market has pretty dramatically shifted in the past few years um, nationally, but also in Ohio, there's not as many patients in the program as there could be, obviously, and we're ready to make some changes to get more patient participation to be able to really take it to the next level. Um, so it is hard in, in the beginning, it was a little bit easier when we were growing and we were hiring more and more people and it was kind of like the sky was the limit because you felt is like that the company was just going to continue to expand and that the industry was going to continue to expand and now that it's kind of leveled off and it's facing a lot of the same pressures that the industry is facing nationally it's become a little harder obviously to just focus on retaining your employees that you have. You're not adding any new people. So at this point, what we've really been doing here and what I've been trying to like focus on is what can we do to just continue to improve like the quality of life, life basically for the employees that we have? What things can we do to keep them motivated, interested, um, to feel that they're all still on a path of growth? 
when the company and the industry itself is kind of leveled out for the time being. And I think that um, one of the valuable things that we found is cross-training our employees. Instead of just kind of housing them in one particular role, we've given a lot of employees the opportunity to learn all the different aspects of the company. And I would say that all of our employees are cross-trained to some degree. So we have trimmers that'll come in and work in defoliating the plants. We'll have cultivation workers that'll go back and trim or work in packaging. And we have people taking on individual lead roles like cloning, for example. We make sure that all of our cultivation employees learn how to clone and get to spend some time cloning so that it's not just one person learning that particular skill, but that our employees are able to learn all the skills of the organization and have that knowledge and have those abilities to move into whatever position they can in the future as we do expand or as they move on to another company within the, within the industry. So we've definitely spent a substantial amount of time cross-training people. And then we also just try and, you know, just spend time getting, getting to know each other and doing different events and, um, you know, having parties and having social events or pizza or whatever it is that we can do to keep everybody, um, you know, just getting to know each other, comfortable with each other and treating each other well. And we also put, you know, a really strong focus here on Galenus and just on how we treat our employees and how our employees treat each other. So we have health insurance, we have 401k option for um, full-time employees. Um, I know some companies don't, still don't have that in Ohio. They don't have the option of health insurance. So making a sustainable job for our employees that has the right benefits and giving them the chance to move into lead roles or to move into management roles instead of hiring from outside of the company has been an important way, I think, for us to retain employees. At this point, we've worked really for the past almost year only on referrals, too. So we've taken referrals from other employees to bring in new employees, and we really don't even need to hire with from, you know, like Indeed or a platform mm -hmm. like that anymore, because we always have a list of referrals when a position does open up. And then when we have a management position open up, it's always given the first crack is given to an existing employee. So we've just tried to make sure that we're listening to our employees, valuing them, and making them feel appreciated and listening to what they say about what, what they want to learn or where they want to go in the company and trying to give them that opportunity to learn and grow in the, in the business. Well, I mean, uh, you and the team over at Galenus are going to hear it first. This is my second sales pitch to make uh, Christine, your guys' sales director, when she was uh, telling me about cultivars before we started recording. I feel like you should have been selling that. And there's there's a, another great reason to go and figure out a way to wiggle your room way into Galenus, because that sounds like a great place to work. Um, finishing up, because I do like to keep these episodes at 30 minutes. Um I always like finishing our episodes with the opportunity to shout out or speak on whatever you'd like. So if you want to shout out the team or uh, Tilf, kind of whatever you want, or if there's something you're excited to, um, that's like coming online here in the future, that's cool too. Whatever you kind of want to finish up with. Yeah. So, I mean, I'd love to shout out all the members of my team, but that's a lot of names. So I don't want to just throw a few of them out there. We have almost 30 employees right here in Galenas, but everybody's just very valuable and been doing a great job for us. So I'm super proud of them all. 
Um, also, Ohio Earth Food, that's another big partner of ours. So Ohio Earth Food, if you're a home gardener, if you are a small farmer, they're in Hartville, Ohio. They've been selling organic um, amendments and fertilizers for 50 years. And I've been using their fertilizers since back at Pine Size Farm. Also use their products here as well. And um, that's another great partner of ours. Also, I would like to just give a little sneak peek to a couple new strains that we have coming out. So we have a strain called Raspberry Moon Cheese that I'm super excited about. Everyone here is really excited about that's in one of our rooms currently and going to be harvested in the beginning of April. The breeder's name is Luna Whitcomb. She's Luna all day on Instagram and just has some amazing educational content on Instagram. But I'm super excited about her breeding. So the raspberry moon cheese is a UK moon cheese cross with animal cookies lineage and DJ shorts blueberry. And the fragrance of it is just unbelievable. It's just like this really bright, like almost like raspberry uh, smoothie, really intense raspberry flavor. Someone, one of my trimmers said it smells like um, raspberry fruit stripe gum. <laughs> so. Mm. It's got that really strong raspberry smell in the beginning, and then it finishes on the back end with like a cream cheese, sour cream profile. It's really incredible. Kind of reminds me of like a, like a, a fruit blintz, if you ever had blintzes. <laughs> it's so, so, so good. And then we have another strain called I-71 that everyone is really excited about that's going to be harvested in the end of April. And that is from a breeder named Chris Shanyong, who is, um, uh, I believe he's a manager at Bloom Painesville and just a gorgeous plant that we've been had in R&D here now for about six months that has just an incredible flavor profile, incredible terpene profile, and it's just a beautiful production plant. But that's a dumpster lemon G cross that has some Northern Lights number five and I believe some G13 in the parentage. So I'm really excited about those two strains. I think they're going to be, they're going to really be impactful and people are going to be talking about them quite a bit when they come out. So we have the soap too, which has been really popular. That's going to be coming back into production. We have our Gary Payton, it's called the East Side Gary, which is coming back around, our Bicket OG coming back around. So I'm really excited for everything that's going to be dropping in 2023. It's, I think, the year that our genetics are really going to come together in a way that they haven't ever yet. So I'm super excited about it. Well, I mean, to gas you up a little bit more, um, I think when your director of cultivation pays that much respect to breeders and you pay that much respect to the soil and trying to find ways to include your local area, I think you're going to knock it out of the ballpark every time. Oh, I mean, so yeah, you, you just reminded just... me. So I definitely also have to give a shout out to Nick Risden. So Nick Risden of Lime Rising Farm in Michigan. He's on Instagram, uh, Lime Rising Nick or Lime Rising Farm. He is the breeder of the Bicket OG, the Royal Pam, and another strain that we have that we're R&Ding right now called the Hydra. I love his genetics. And then Fresh Coast Seed Company, we've been running a bunch of their gear. Um, that's Ross up there in Traverse City. Check them out too. They got a couple different Instagrams for Fresh Coast Seed Co. 
So yeah, the breeders are what make the magic happen. We've done a few crosses here as well. So we have an in-house breeding program of which Lembisto is our first superstar from that program. So we're doing a little bit here, but the, uh, the breeders that we've been working with are really what's making us shine. And we have just a lot of new exciting stuff coming from those regional breeders, which really just kind of profile our region. And we've just been really focusing on highlighting our regional differences here in the Midwest. Well, sweet. You heard it here. That's the end of this episode. If you want to um, shout out and come drive down the 71 getaway and listen to some bone thugs when they release that 71, that's what I'll be doing. Um, and I really appreciate your time so much today, uh, Christine. It's been great interviewing you. And I can't wait to release this episode next month because I'm going to be doing you guys for April. So it'll be sweet. Well, thanks for having me. It was great. Appreciate it. Absolutely.